With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Winging It in Motown Radio. I'm Jeff Hancock with JJ and Kyle and Lauren. How's everyone doing? It's the best day ever. Best. Greatest day ever. Are you okay, Jeff? That was like an after-school special, like, we have a serious announcement kind of intro. (laughs) It was a, a, I had something I wanted to say, and I completely (laughs) blanked and forgot what I was going to say. And I'm like, we're off to a great start. Right. Uh, All right, here we go. This is the best money I ever spent. Uh, he didn't spend any money. I spent a good amount of money today. I bought a child-sized Red Sox jersey today. Hopefully, my nephew's not listening to this podcast. And uh, I, I, I was about to say, Jeff's having a baby. Woo-hoo! Nobody listens to this podcast. Don't watch it. <laughs> it's true. You know, like speaking people. of people listening to this podcast, one, two, at least two people listen to this podcast. We know if you you frequent this podcast that Doogie listens to us and he says we're a bunch of a-holes who think we're bigger and better Red Wings fans than the rest of you, which yeah. is true. Yep. But also, Toots McGee, we have a new review on iTunes. Toots McGee, I feel like this is someone from the blog just under a code name. I'm going to read this <laughs> like word for word. Like This is a real review on iTunes for this podcast. Quote, every podcast they talk about Everything you need to know to get caught up on the team, from the wing's top line to the walleye seventh defenseman. You're going to know what's going on. Kyle's a real American beauty. JJ's a sassy dad from Kansas. Graham's a good Ontario boy. And Jeff Hancock is a founding father of this great nation and a flagrant Bruins fan. I convinced Joe is a robot, and Michelle might snort a line before the prospects report with how fast she talks. But if you want to know whether these people really are who I say they are, or if I'm just a lying sack of meat, you should listen to the podcast. It'll be well worth your time. Well, I guess I I I should tell you guys what my nickname in high school was now. So, Toots McGee, if you're listening... It was Toots Mickey. That was bravo. Cool. Thank you, Toots. That's that's amazing. That that is the best. <laughs> that's quite that's quite nice. anyone could have ever asked for. It's gonna be really unfortunate when Toots McGee is actually just JJ while he's at work, bored on iTunes, just writing reviews for everything. It, no, I, I don't like myself enough to call myself a sassy dad. And also, <laughs> I'm not going to read Man Bun Funyuns <laughs> review, <laughs> but I just... He, Are you serious? Man Bun Funyuns? It's like Man Bun Fun Yawn. Man Bun Funyuns? Yawn. Man Bun Funyuns? Man Bun But a must for wings fan is the title of his review. It's not as creative, but he did give us... He or she... I don't know, uh, gave us five stars. So thank you, Man Bun Funyan and Toots McGee, <laughs> the class of the internet listening to us. Uh, speaking of class, 
Red Wings are, quite frankly, the class of the Eastern Conference, and some could say the NHL over the last 10 games or so, according to the analytics. And we're just going to jump back in time and look at the week that was, because I don't have a rundown prepared for today, so we're just going to wing it. In uh, Motown. Arizona last Thursday, Nashville last Friday, five goals scored by the Wings in each game, more goals, more fun. JJ, go. Nashville was on Saturday, by the way. What did it I say? Was on Saturday. <laughs> uh, you said Friday. Ah, you fuck it. It's all the same. Son of a JJ, go. You, you ruined. Oh god, that uh, that Arizona game was was just so much fun. I I don't even know analytically really anything about it other than Mike Smith gave up a laugher from center ice, and that's just the the best possible thing. Um, although I did not know that Martin Hansel was such a, a dirty shitbag. Like I thought he was a, a relatively okay guy through most of his career, and then he laid that hit on Polkinen that laid him out. Um, real dirty, like jammed his feet out from under him and then finished his check into the boards. Just such a shitbag move. Um, and then the Drew Miller hit was was unfortunate. I don't think I don't believe it was suspension worthy. I think it's just one of those things that happens. Uh, the the Nashville game was one of those like it felt like the the Nashville game prior to uh, the Winter Classic in Ann Arbor where they just kept like they would keep letting in goals and then they'd keep fighting back and then they would just let in more goals. But it felt different about halfway through the third period. Like um, it that was one of the games where it felt like I don't know why they're losing this game. I don't think they're going to lose this game. And then they won it. Um, and Dylan Larkin scored just like my goal was my my jaw was already dropping from him making the move on the 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 three players he beat and then he sniped it too and so it was just an explosion of joy and i I had to go grab a towel it was amazing and then the uh the night was and then the the tying goal with applicator where everybody like the team really really like that was a playoff goal level celebration um which they hadn't been doing very much early in the season like there wasn't they didn't seem like they were having as much fun they they really seem like they were having way more fun against Nashville and that they're having more fun. And that's uh, that's really translating to how much more fun they are to watch lately, too. I beg the differ. I think Larkin has fun every goal that he's on the ice for. He's just and a there's kid. a lot of them, folks. That's true, yeah. But hopefully we're not having too much fun watching him because he's eventually just going to regress. And it's not <laughs> even worth it. Everybody who loves dies. It's, it's pointless, really. It's true. But do you have any actual analysis, Kyle? Um, no, yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> uh, the Arizona game was the exact thing that I, as a as a fan, needed to see. You know, with how games have gone so far. Um, you know, they've they've come out. You know, they've taken those two goal leads, but they would blow them later, and they, you know, it's just not. You know, it's it, they they would end up winning it, or you know, at least getting a point, and that's okay. But um, you really want to see a team dominate another team, and they came out and they just. They smoked Arizona. Arizona looked like an AHL team in that game, and it wasn't just because of Mike Smith. It was, I mean, even when Lindback came in, who isn't a good goalie at all, but um, he he looked like crap. So it was it was good. Um, I'm really glad that that game happened for Howard and not Mrazek, um, because I think Howard needs it more than Mrazek does. Uh, not because of stats, but because of fan base. Um, I think the the fan base needs to be reminded that, hey, you have two really good goalies that can actually perform. And then the Nashville game, um, (laughs) it was like up until, like, honestly, I'll be honest, up until the third period, I I friggin' hated it. I didn't, like, I was doing the recap, and I was like, oh, God, do I have to watch this? And yes, I did. And then um, (laughs) Larkin scored that ridiculous goal. 
Um, and then, you know, Advocator had that gold just bounce off into him. And it was just like, okay, this is, this is, this is awesome. Um, and then I just remember that, um, in overtime, uh, the, the Preds were coming in three on one and Datsuk was the only one back. And I was like, Datsuk's going to do something stupid here and it's going to be amazing. And, um, what's funny is that Mrazek made a really good save and then there was a missed chance, um, because he let off a rebound and then Cronwell kind of just swept the puck right to Nyquist. And I knew right from the minute when Nyquist was in on the breakaway, I was like game over and I already started celebrating and sure enough he did. And, uh, I don't know. It was uh, not the way. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it was just like kind of reverse roles. Y- 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 Nashville was like what the Red Wings had been in the past couple. A couple of, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, outside of the Arizona game, you know, a few games, you know, where they had blown the late goal lead and then lost it in overtime. So it was a lot of fun um, as a fan um, when you win like that. Uh, you, you know, you, you score th- you score three and unanswered goals to win the game. Essentially, yeah, can't beat it. It's a great feeling as a fan, so I like it. Hey, fairness more. to Datsuk on that uh, that missed chance. He actually got his stick on that. He deflected it up over the net. Did he? I don't remember it. Yeah. Let's talk to Lauren because I think Lauren was actually at the game. So, oh, that's true. I was. Um, tell us, tell us all of your feelings. Oh, there's a lot of feelings that went on there. Um, um but at least. Some <laughs> of- <laughs> It, well, I can say it was a lot better than the last game I went to in Detroit because they got shut out by Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens, so they more than made up for that mm-hmm. um, a few days ago for me. Um, I, yeah, the third period, I think, mostly was just like just the huge roller coaster of emotions. You saw, obviously, Shea Weber get the hat trick, and you know we saw a few Nashville fans go to throw hats on the ice, but even then, I was sitting there thinking, like, okay, that obviously sucks, but... You know, that, like, I, we could just tell, like, yeah. me and, like, just about everybody else around me, we could just tell, like, this game is not over, you know, we're still gonna, like, I think everyone just kind of had that feeling, like, yeah, we're gonna come back and win this, um, and then Larkin scored his goal, mm-hmm. and everyone, obviously, you know, he's, like, the golden boy of the team right now, um, and then I think it was getting down to about six minutes left, and I'm just sitting there, like, I feel a goal coming, like, it's gonna happen, um, and then, we tied it and then everyone just exploded and it was great. Um, and then the same thing with the, with the overtime winner, as soon as Nyquist had it, I mean, everyone was standing up and we could just, we could see the puck going in before it actually did. So it was, Mm. it was insane and it was great. And I loved every second of it. And I, I, and you know, what's funny. I I should have pointed out the, the Weber hat trick. I'm just so happy that they spoiled it. (laughs) Like like, that's the best. Not even them. Mm -hmm. Him. He spoiled it himself. He really really did. Perfect. He spoiled it. Well, the thing, the funny thing was too, is he ended up a minus one on the night, but he, um, he actually got off the ice before he could pull a minus in overtime. <laughs> so had he not gotten off on the change right there, he would have ended up a minus two, and he absolutely yeah. would have deserved the minus two. Well, speaking yeah. of minuses, the Red Wings were minus Drew Miller in <laughs> that Predators game. Sorry. Oh, my God. Because he was killed on the ice, which we all kind of agree shouldn't have been a suspension in the Coyotes game. But we literally spent a good week just destroying Miller and Glenn Denning. And then Miller got destroyed on the ice and the power play, the opponent's power play, the Wings PK gave up three goals and everyone got to just kind of point and laugh and see, ha ha, see, you guys are idiots. Uh, but obviously, someone tell us here, JJ. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at your picture here on the Skype little box thing, which isn't even you. Uh, explain to us why that Miller being out ne- didn't necessarily have the impact. 
or wasn't the leading factor to all those power play goals being scored on the wings? Uh, the phrase we're looking for there is uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc. It's a fallacy by uh, it means. <laughs> it's exactly the phrase I was thinking of. After this, therefore, because of this, uh, I don't think Drew Miller would have prevented those goals. Uh, they were essentially going to the side of the ice that Miller doesn't cover. Um, they were blasts from the point. It's possible that Miller maybe blocks the the third one that Larkin was trying to stand in front of. Um, but ultimately, uh, Peter Mrazek wasn't square to that one, and I know that that Weber has a gigantic slapper and it's it's so huge but it's from that far out I expect the goalie to make that save and he wasn't uh he wasn't in position so Miller's a good guy he he works hard he tries his ass off blue collar worker I mean for shit's sake I've got a Brayhead clan jersey of Drew Miller I love the guy but he's not the guy that's been driving the PK success the PK success like with every team hinges on how well the goalies do he was really good last year when the goalies were saving a bunch and then the goalies fell off and Drew Miller's penalty kill numbers dropped. Drew Miller this year was getting a lot more saves than the average PKer, and it made him look a lot. Him and Glenn Denning. It's it's not just all Miller. So, I mean, I I wanted him out of the lineup. I didn't want him out of the lineup like this. Um, it it really sucks. Like I said, he's he's a great guy. He's he he gives his all, but it wasn't him missing that is what doomed the penalty kill in the Nashville game. Despite what any digger might tell you. Any of the beat yeah. writers. Don't listen to them. Listen to us. We know hockey. We're a bunch of a-holes. Yeah, what's funny is that <laughs> JJ owns a, a Miller jersey, whether it's... I don't, JJ, you don't, own a, you don't own a Red Wings Miller jersey, do you? No, I don't. All right. Which is weird that you own a Brad Glenn jersey, but I own a Glenn Denning Red Wings jersey. That's because my buddy Mike Darnay for Pennsburg uh, bought it for me for last Christmas. Um which was hilarious and very thoughtful, and I love the jersey. And I really do like Glenn Denning as a person, um, and I like him a lot more nowadays that he isn't what you know being matched up where he usually is. Um, I don't know. I just feel like Miller and Glenn Denning, that entire line was kind of the culprit of a lot of blown leads. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot happier where they're at right now. I would like to just make note that I own a Brendan Smith jersey, and I actually had to pay for it. So yeah, you're an idiot. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Jeez. I will say we give Brendan Smith a lot of shit, and most of it's well deserved. But I'm all for him. I don't remember what game it was. I think it was the Sabres game. We already talked about it. But he had another fight or something. This this one of these past two games, or he had I don't know. But he's been he's been it's the Coyotes. He fought Chipchura. Yeah, I'm all for that. Sticking up for his teammates. He's got their backs that's the thing that helps teams win stanley cups and <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm all in i'm all in hey, Smith. and I'm that's generally... why he's still in the lineup and kindle hasn't been getting in these last few games because well he may not be putting up the points blash was probably like yeah fuck yeah brendan smith well yeah. I will, I'll tell you, I i'm will... generally anti-fighting but that first right that brendan smith threw at chip chura and that was in that was an angry fuck you fight that was not staged like yeah. oh hey i've got to i've got to work up my team although chip chura might have been doing that but yeah. that was like i seriously want to knock you in the next tuesday um and that was a fun fight, and I, I thought Brendan Smith, like, I, he stunned Chip Turo with that first one. It took uh, Chip Turo a, a, a little while. I thought he was going to go down after it, but that was a fun fight. So, yeah, good, good on Brendan Smith for that. Attaboy. I think that in uh, that, that Nashville game, he looked spectacular. He looked really good. Like, he, there were two instances where he was, he had the puck in the other team's zone, in the offensive zone, and he, like, 
he burned two dudes, like two defenders, just, you know, by doing a head fake or, you know, deking the puck. And unfortunately, you know, he didn't get the puck at the net. You know, he went for the pass, which is, you know, whatever. But um, he looked really good in that game. And what's funny about that Nashville game is even though they let up four goals, I wasn't mad at any defenseman at all. Like, I just, I wasn't mad at any of them. Uh, the only play that I really got mad at anybody was when Shea Weber took that slap shot off of the uh, the, the glass and it, like, kind of bounced and took a weird bounce. And Mrazek, he just, I was mad at Mrazek because he didn't, like, lock up the post. Obviously, I didn't get to see the angle, but at the time, I was really mad. I was like, dude, you got to lock it up and just, like, not let that in. But I thought Smith was great against Nashville. He's probably one of, you know, at least one of the top four defensemen there. Lauren, do you have any feelings about Brendan Smith? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not really. I I agree. I think he was really good in the Nashville game. Um, And the fight was was pretty nice on on Thursday. Well, speaking of fighting, uh, there's going to be some fighting to solidify some open spots in the lineup. And right now those spots are occupied by Yoko Anderson and Thomas Yurko because Polkanen's out, uh, which we haven't mentioned yet. That was the Coyote game too, right? Yep. I mentioned it, yeah. You did mention it. I didn't mention it, so it didn't count. Uh, <laughs> Miller, as we spoke about, is out, and they're out for like six to eight weeks or so, give or take a few days or weeks, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're gone for a while. Out of sight, out of mind. Uh, Yurko's in. We want him in. Anderson's in. We want him off the team. As the time we are recording this, hopefully I didn't miss anything today while I was out, but <laughs> there haven't been any call-ups yet. You didn't hear? <laughs> nope, not yet. Oh. I was going to fuck with him, Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> fuck you, JJ. Uh, <laughs> I would have been like, damn it, we're going to have to redo all of this. Uh, what, what are you guys expecting? What do you want to see? What do you think will happen? Well, just as I'm gonna far go, as, as call-ups. I'm going to go ahead and take the wheel here because um, I told JJ that I was going to mess with him. So I'm going to take the lead. Um, JJ, by the way, you're still really handsome. Uh, I feel so messed with. <laughs> Um, you know, the knee-jerk reaction is uh, you, you want to see a guy like uh, Athanasiu, who is so so good in his short stay here earlier this season. But um, And that was honestly, that's, that's what I said at first. But um, the more you think about it, I'd really, really like to see somebody else get called up. Um, and I know that 100% that uh, Ken Holland is going to play the, uh, the waiver game here. So he's not going to call up anybody like a Mitch Callahan or a an Andy Mealy or anything or Tang Grady for that. Um, he doesn't want to risk losing those players for free, basically. Um, which is funny because he took that risk with Ferraro, but anyway, yeah, did he really? Yeah. He's got three points in six games. God. Anyways. Um, (laughs) fuck that sucks. Um, that really threw me off, but, I think I would really like to see, I, I, I honestly would like to see, like, because, no, like, uh, Athanasiu is doing really well right now. So I would like to see what maybe Nosek would do. Or even though he's been injured, maybe give Manta a shot just to see. Because, you know, you don't, you don't have any, he's not waiver eligible. So if he sucks after three games and you don't like it, then get rid of him and then call somebody else up. Um that's just how my feeling is. I'd like to see somebody else. I'd like to give it a shot. I know that Athanasio is good, and I know that he's going to be a good NHL player. I want to get a little taste of what every what what else we have. And Thomas Nosek is one of the guys that I really want to see because he really strikes me as one of those bottom six guys that. 
could really, really make an impact at, at, at some point. I think they should put Kindle in at the sixth defenseman. All right, put everybody Smith at mute forward. Him. Mute him right now. First mute line him. winger. Enough. Cut this shit. Um, no, I could see like giving Mantha a shot just to just to see. Um, basically, I want one call up and Thomas Yurko in the lineup every night. And so, if we have to call up two people, which we're probably not going to do before the Washington game, um, but we will probably do either because the the Griffins are playing on Wednesday. But we'll probably do before the Thursday game because then we have to travel immediately to New Jersey after that game for for the Friday matchup, which isn't a long travel, but whatever. Yeah, but I mean they're they're pulling somebody away from the Griffins, and the Griffins play right. again on Saturday. Um, so you call up two people if you have to. I would personally call up Athens CU just to give him another shot. And then I would happily call up somebody whose sole purpose is to sit and only play if so, if one or two people get injured against Montreal on Thursday. Um, and I know yeah. a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I'd, I'd happily call up Dan Cleary just to sit. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you get, on that. You can get a guy into nine NHL games where you can have him on your roster for 29 days uh, before he would become waiver eligible again. And obviously we expect both Miller and Polkanen to be out for longer than that, but I would go ahead and, uh, since we have enough guys like that, uh, pull Cleary up for freaking 29 days or hell, pull him up for 30 days and then put him on waivers again. I don't give a shit um clary Miele, tangrady uh any of those guys uh even callahan if we want to give uh his fans uh something to hope for but i'd rather yep. callahan yeah. actually be playing in grand rapids rather than than just sitting like i don't want callahan just to sit um yeah. like i do want the second call up to do so i, I do like the mantha idea i, I like the no check idea um mostly because he can play center and we could uh you know have a, a good center on the fourth line yeah. But I mean, it, it is what it is. We'll we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be Athanasiu. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, my opinion just kind of lays with the maybe give somebody else a little bit of a look. But um, just because I think Nosek has a smaller window than anybody else. So I, I, I think he does. I don't know. Athanasiu, does he have another year before he hits waiver eligibility? I, I, I don't have the website pulled up. So Yes. He's not waiver eligible next year, but the year after that he will be. Is that right? Let me go to our library and look that up. Jeff, go ahead and take it over. Uh, I mean, I'd, the ideal situation is you call up Athens to you. Um, Richards becomes your fourth line center. He's on the fourth line with Glenn Denning. And uh, actually, because you have Datsuk, you have Zetterberg, you have the Shea in line, which they call the TSN line. I saw that. I don't like that at all. What? Yeah, Tatar, Shea, and Nyquist. TSN line. No. I feel no, like that's that. something TSN nope. came up with. We're going to stick no. with kid line. It's the kid line. The kid line. Uh, Athens CEO, it's waiver eligibility in 2017-18. Okay, so after next year. games, yeah. We will be in the new arena, the Little Caesars Palace. <laughs> but uh, it won't be the palace. Uh, no, it will. There's already a palace. No, it will. Of Auburn Hills. Uh, obviously, no, you want AA up just because you want to put the best 12 forwards on the ice. And he's one of them. So, quite frankly, that's what you do. Uh, would not be shocked if Callahan gets called up, though. I just have a feeling that might occur. I'd be shocked. I wouldn't be. I, I don't know. I just feel that Ken Holland isn't going to try and lose any more assets this year for free. I don't know. I think that he... Because if Callahan comes up... If Callahan is on the Red Wings, I think that Ken Holland is... His plan is to keep him here and... That's it. So I would rather have Callahan over Drew Miller. That's just me. But I'd rather have a lot of players over Drew Miller. I like Drew Miller, but I'd rather have a lot of players over him. 
Anyways, I mean, whatever. Lauren, you have anything to add? Well, um, Mantha was also brought up there. He is still um, only two games back from injury, too. He played right. Uh, right. Friday and Saturday this weekend, so I don't know how he looked or you know if he's if he's recovered completely from whatever injury he got in that fight, but um, that is also something to take into consideration if we're talking about call ups. So, well, he has two points in two games, so he's doing oh. well. So whatever, he won't okay, last. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how many points did Tennessee you have, man? Yeah, a lot more. Um, all these all these prospects though, and all these people in Grand Rapids, we don't exactly know who they're going to call up, but we do know a lot about them. And the reason why is because Michelle is here with our prospects report. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And after the Griffins went 1-7 and seven in their first eight games, they've now gone 9-1-1 and one in their last 11 games and are on an eight-game win streak. Friday night, they picked up a 3-1 win over the Chicago Wolves and Saturday night, a 4-1 win over the Lake Erie Monsters. Much like the Red Wings are doing in Detroit right now, the Griffins are finally clicking and looking like an actual team. Special teams were really ugly early on for the Griffins, both power play and a penalty kill. But since they've started winning games, those numbers have been coming up. In the two games last week, though, their power play play went 0 for 7. However, their penalty kill did go 7 for 7. So at even strength in the two games, the Griffins outscored their opponents 7 to 2. In their eight-game winning streak, the Griffins' offense has been great. It was atrocious to start the season. They got shut out in a couple games. But just to give you an idea, in the last eight games, they've outscored their opponents 33 to 12. Early on in the Griffins' season, I said that I thought a huge part of what was holding them back and causing them to look so terrible on the ice was psychological. It wasn't necessarily that the players were at fault for anything or that the coaches were at fault for anything, but there was something going on that was causing the players not to be in sync and not to be in sync with the coaches. Last week, I brought up a quote from Mitch Callahan that kind of reinforced that, where he talked about the mental aspect of the team composure and just how it had taken the team some time to get on the same page as the coaches. This weekend, Griffin's captain Jeff Hogan said some things that were very similar to Callahan's comments, and Coach Nelson also addressed the issue. Hogan said there wasn't any intentional discord between the players and coaches, but when you start losing and you had been winning last year, you start to distrust the coaches and there's tension. That tension was palpable just watching the games early on. Coach Todd Nelson said to address the issue, he sat down with the players and he told them, if you need me to make changes, I will. He reached out to the players in an attempt to get them all on board and to bring them all together. Nelson's decisions so far this season have frustrated me greatly at times. However, I do still think that he's a good coach. Everything I've heard about him as a coach prior to coming to Grand Rapids was that he was very in tune with the psychological aspects of the game. I got to talk to him over the summer at development camp in the prospects tournament and asked him some questions about how he approached the the mental aspect of the game and mental health for players. And I was very happy and impressed with the answers that he gave me. I'm sure some of what went on is just normal stuff that you're going to see between players and new coaches, but I'm really glad that they seem to have it resolved because this team is clicking right now. There isn't any team in the league that they can't beat. Nelson's kept the lines pretty stable for the last five or six games, and that's been a good thing, too, to see the players really settling in. The top line of Mitch Callahan, Andy Mealy, and Mark Sangerly has incredible chemistry together that's been their best consistent line. The second line has had Eric Tangrady and Andreas Athanasiu consistently, while the right winger has rotated a little bit between Marty Ferg, Tomas Yurko, and now Anthony Mantha that he's back. Those three players, Tangrady, Athanasiu, and Mantha, are really good 
good together. And I don't think it's a coincidence that no matter who you put on that line, they do well. Andreas Athanas, he kind of has that effect on whoever he's playing with. The third line of Tyler Bertuzzi, Tomasz Nosek, and Danny Cleary has also been better as of late, with Tomasz Nosek and Tyler Bertuzzi finally breaking out and really starting to look like themselves. The game on Friday night was the first time I've looked at Tomasz Nosek and said to myself, there he is. And the fourth line of Jeff Hogan, Louis Mark Aubrey, and Colin Campbell has been consistent most of the season, and they are what they are. Anthony Mantha made his return on Friday night to the lineup after missing four games sitting out with a concussion protocol. In the five games before his injury, he had five points, and since returning, he's played two games and has two assists. It took him a while in his first game back to really get his feet underneath him again and get back in there and get going. But then on Saturday night, he looked really good, and he and Andreas Athanasiu combined for a two-on-one give-and-go that resulted in Athanasiu's highlight reel goal. It was just gorgeous. Even with missing four games with concussion protocol, he's still sixth on the team in points with nine, and he's just the kind of player who you're not going to notice sometimes. He has quiet times on the ice, but that's not a bad thing. One of the biggest things he needed to work on making the jump to pro was his play away from the puck, and that part of his game is definitely improved. I don't have any complaints about what I'm seeing from him. There's, of course, still room for improvement, and I think he has a whole nother level that he can go to, but when I watch him now, even when he doesn't have the puck, he's usually making good decisions, he's keeping his feet moving, and he's doing a much better job of being engaged. And of course, he and Double A have this undeniable chemistry that's absolutely beautiful to watch. Mantha's been good, but I'm not ready to say he's ready for a call-up yet. He's been good, not great, and I know that he can be great. There's still another level that he needs to get to. He's on his way, but he's not there yet, and I don't think the Wings have any need to rush him. Andreas Athanasiu has been red hot since getting sent down from his stint with Detroit. In his seven games since being back, he has five goals and four assists. And if those numbers alone aren't enough, the way he's scoring goals and the plays that he's making are absolutely highlight reel. This last weekend, he scored two goals, one Friday night and one Saturday night, and both of them were highlight reel. Just absolutely, how did he even do that? And in addition to the goals that he scored, he had two other incredible plays, one of them where he went completely end-to-end, scooped up the puck behind his own net, skated up the ice, stick-handled his way through four Wolves players, kept control of the puck, and got his team a scoring chance. Then later in the game, he absolutely turned down the Jets from his own zone, beat a Wolves player who was way ahead of him to the puck down in the corner to negate an icing. I don't know what more we could be asking of Double A at this point. He's playing amazing. He's scoring goals. He's putting up points. He's making highlight reel plays. He's doing pretty much anything that you could ask of him. The kid is ready to play in the NHL. I mean, he showed it to us in the four games when he was up, but he's also a player that needs to be challenged. He is at his best when he has a challenge in front of him. If you let him get bored or stagnant and don't challenge him, his performance is going to go down. It's almost like he gets bored. So I'm all for challenging him. Call him up to Detroit, especially with Timo Polkanen and Drew Miller out long term. Double A's got to be the guy that comes up and plays. And you know what? He might very well steal a spot and not go back to Grand Rapids. That's how good he is. And as good as he has been in Grand Rapids, he will be even better when he's got the challenge in Detroit. And that's a fantastic quality to have in a player. When the pressure on and you need more from players, he's the kind of player that gives you more. Xavier Willett had three assists in two games, and I keep saying the same things about him every time I watch, but he's good. He's ready for the NHL, and he's consistent. That's probably the word that comes up the most in my mind. You know what you're going to get with Willett. He does his thing. He does it well. He does it quite often quietly, and he does it consistently. Tomasz Nosek hasn't had an easy go this season. He's been paired with uh, Danny Cleary, and for the beginning part of the season, Colin Campbell. Those are not easy wingers for a skilled playmaking center to work with. But there was something else too, and I believe with him it was a psychological thing. But over the weekend we saw the real Tomasz Nozek again. 
He finally scored his first goal on Friday and then added another assist on Saturday. Nosek has speed, skill, and smarts. And up until this weekend, it looked like his play was depressed. That's the best word I can think of to describe when I would see him. The comment Coach Nelson made Friday night about Nosek was that he was moving his feet. He looked really good. And that's what they've been waiting to see from him. Tyler Bertuzzi's another guy who just hadn't done much this season. And I'd been kind of disappointed with what I had seen from him. He looked really good Friday and Saturday as well. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he and Noshek on the same line combined for some very dangerous offense. With these two players on their game, that line, despite having Dan Cleary on it, could be a huge asset to the team if you can get three lines rolling and scoring. Nick Jensen didn't have any points this weekend, but his play just continued to be consistent. He's much like Willette in that regard, where game in and game out, you know what you're going to get from him. He's fast, he's smart, he's skilled, and he's just great every time he's on the ice. The more I watch Mike Green play in Detroit, the more it reminds me of Nick Jensen. The way he skates, his speed, his skill with the puck, and his offensive flair. That's the kind of defenseman that Nick Jensen is. And he hasn't had a chance to prove it yet in the NHL, but that doesn't mean that he isn't deserving. I think that once this kid finally does make it to the NHL, whether that be with the Red Wings or another team, I think that Wings fans are going to look at him and go, holy crap, how was this kid in Grand Rapids for so long and how did he not make the Wings? The Griffins had a lot of ground to make up after their poor start to the season, but they've made a lot of headway. With a record now of 10, 8, and 1 and 21 points, they sit 5th in the Central Division, just 2 points behind Chicago in 4th place. With their 2 wins last week, they moved up 1 spot in the division from their standings last week. Down in Toledo, the Walleye picked up a pair of wins last week against the Indy Fuel, winning 4-2 on Thursday and 5-2 on Friday. Merrick Tverden had two assists, and he still tied for team lead in points with 18 in 18 games. Jake Patterson was in net for both wins last week, making 46 saves and allowing only two goals against in each of the games. Patty now has a 5-3-2 record with a 9.22 save percentage and 2.48 goals against. He's also allowed two or fewer goals against per game in six of his last ten games. Patterson and fellow goalie Jeff Lurg had been splitting starts in Toledo, but the Walleye announced last week that they loaned Jeff Lurg out to the San Diego Gulls of the AHL, and they brought in Dustin Carlson to be backup goalie. This is a huge opportunity for Jake Patterson because he is the clear-cut starter here, and he's been playing very well, getting good results, and making a lot of saves, so this could be a huge opportunity for him to grab a hold of the starter position and really make a name for himself in the ECHL and prepare for the AHL. If Patterson can really take over this Walleye team, prove that he's good enough to be in the AHL, this could be kind of his coming out party, and then hopefully soon we could see a tandem of Jake Patterson and Jared Coro in Grand Rapids. It's a big opportunity here for Patterson, and it also shows how much the team and the organization trusts him that they're willing to loan Lurg out and hand over the reins to Patterson. The Walleye got off to a little bit of a bumpy start this season, but they've really come on strong in the last couple of weeks. With an 11-5-4 record, they're now first in the Northern Division and third in the Eastern Conference. In other prospects news, in the QMJHL, winger Adam Marsh had five points in two games last week and picked up a third star and first star nomination. He's worked his way up to fourth on his team in points and is tied for second in goals. He picked up a goal and an assist in a 4-3 loss and three assists in a 4-3 win. Center Evgeny Svechnikov picked up three points in his three games last week, scoring a goal and an assist in a 6-2 win and earning second star nomination. In this game, at one point, he took a nasty hit and left the game and it looked like it could be serious. Fortunately, he returned 
returned a short time later, only to score a goal and pick up an assist. He's currently third on his team in points with 39, first on his team in power play goals with 6, and is 16th overall in QMJHL scoring. Over in the Western Hockey League, defenseman Joe Hicketts picked up another assist in two games last week. He now has 29 points in 27 games and leads all Western Hockey League defensemen in scoring. If we include all Western Hockey League players and not just defensemen, Hicketts ranks 33rd in scoring, 6th in assists, 3rd in power play assists, he's 3rd on his team in points, and he's only gone 9 games this season without a point. In Portland, center Dominic Turgeon continues to put up points consistently. He had 4 points in 4 games last week, 1 goal and 3 assists. He's currently 1st on his team in points with 29, 1st in goals with 13, power play goals with six, shorthanded goals with one, and he's sixth in the Western Hockey League in power play goals and 32nd overall in Western Hockey League scoring. Fun little tidbit, Dominic Turgeon has the same number of points as Joe Hicketts, and they're 32nd and 33rd in Western Hockey League scoring. In the USHL, Chase Pearson went on a rampage last week. In three games, he put up seven points, scoring a goal and two assists in a 6-5 overtime win, a goal and an assist in a 5-1 win, and two goals in a 3-2 win. He picked up two third-star honors and a second-star honor. Three weeks ago, he was 20th in league scoring, and he's worked his way up now to 11th with 20 points in 21 games. He's also only eight points off of the league leader, and he's fifth in the league in assists with 15 and tied for second plus-minus with plus 15. In college hockey news, left-winger Mike McKee was a healthy scratch for both of his team's games this weekend. Most people probably know Mike McKee for his size. At six foot five, 250 pounds, he's quite an imposing figure. Before he got to Western, he set records in the USHL for penalty minutes. Looking at his vitals, you'd probably want to have a guy that big on your team, and there's a lot of allure to having someone that size. When McKee got to Western, he was a defenseman, but coach Andy Murray moved him to the wing, and that's where he's played consistently this season and almost all of last season. Personally, when I watched McKee play, I like him better as a defenseman. He doesn't have the offensive flair, but his size and good skating allows him to be an effective defenseman. Nobody's going to win a battle in the corner against him. And I thought that maybe he would have a chance to at least be signed by the Wings and make it to the AHL as a defenseman. If the Wings plan to utilize him as a winger, as Andy Murray has, I don't know that he's going to make it much further. The Wings have until August 15th to decide if they're going to sign into an entry-level contract or not. At this point, I could see it going either way. David Pope won his first 10 games with the Omaha Mavericks, registering only one assist. Since then, however, he's had four goals, two assists for six points in his last five games. Across the pond in Sweden, Axel Holmstrom had two assists in two games last week and now has 16 points in 25 games. His 16 points tie him with Flyers' 2014 fifth-round pick Oscar Lindblom for first in points among all junior players in the Swedish Hockey League. Among junior players, Holmstrom also has the second-best face-off percentage with 51.71. Only fellow Red Wings prospect Christopher N. has a better face-off percentage at 52.1. In the KHL, center Alexander Kadikin is still playing top-line center with Ilya Kovalchuk on his wing. Last week, he picked up another assist and an overtime winning goal. Last week, he averaged 15 and a half minutes per game and went 61.1% in face-off circle, keeping in mind that's serving top-line duty. It's probably not surprising that Katykin coming from fourth line to first line and playing with a guy like Ilya Kovalchuk would improve his stats and his performance. But Cherno Avery did a statistical analysis comparing the different centers that Kovalchuk's played with this year in what is essentially a with-or-without-you analysis, looking to see which of the centers Kovalchuk's played with have had the best, most positive impact on him. What she found was that Katie 
Damien has actually had a very positive impact on Ilya Kovalchuk and is making him better. So far, Katykin is flourishing in finally getting an opportunity to play significant minutes in this first-line role. As I mentioned before, he was really buried with the depth on that team at center, but was also not really given a fair chance to actually prove himself. SKA has had some serious center injuries recently, and that's why Katykin was moved up. So far, he's grabbed a hold of this position, and he doesn't look like he wants to let go. He's having good chemistry with Kovalchuk. They're making some very pretty plays and very pretty goals, and Katykin is also making Kovalchuk better. I'm really hoping that this is the opportunity that he needed, finally getting time on the top line, developing some chemistry with Kovalchuk, and will get an opportunity to play and develop and show what he can do. The Red Wings are pretty deep at center already, both in the NHL, AHL, and with prospects like Axel Holmstrom coming down the line, but it can never hurt to have too many center options. It's also worth noting that Katykin is re-signed with SKA for two years this past summer. He's more of a long-term project for the Red Wings, but at 6'5", 223 pounds, a good defensive center could come in handy in a few years. You never know where the Red Wings will be or, or what they'll need. It's easy to say that his increase in production recently is the Kovalchuk effect, and there's a lot of truth to that, but it's also great to see in the underlying numbers that it isn't only Kovalchuk making Katykin better, that Katykin is also helping to make Kovalchuk better. Nothing big will be happening with this kid soon, but he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. We're only a few weeks away from the World Junior Championships, and the participating countries are working on putting their final camp rosters together. While the final rosters won't be released until a couple of days before the tournament, the Red Wings have six prospects who are going to be participating in their country's final selection camps. Joe Hicketts is representing Team Canada, and there's been talk all year that he's a top candidate to be captain of that team. Axel Holmstrom and Christopher N are both on Sweden's camp roster, and they both played for that team last year as well. Defenseman Vili Sarajarvi has been selected to attend Finland's final camp, and he had an absolutely studly performance last year in the U18 World Juniors. He was voted the best defenseman, top three player on the team, and had the most assists by a defenseman with six, the most goals by a defenseman with three, and the most points by a defenseman with nine. Evgeny Svechnikov has also been invited to Russia's camp. Russia hasn't released their full roster yet, but the Screaming Eagles did say that he was an invite. The lone goalie to represent the Red Wings is Jorn Van Pottelberg, who's been invited to Switzerland's camp. World Junior Games get underway December 26th in Helsinki, Finland, and it looks like the Red Wings will once again have a good representation, as I expect all six of these players to make their team's final cuts. And that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Michelle, thank you for the prospects report. We are now very informed about the Griffins and everything else going on with the prospects. But now I want to be informed about what our listeners and our readers want to know from us. So JJ, hit us. All right, well, we're going to start off with a uh, basically the best question because it's aimed at me. Uh, Master Moj says, JJ, last cast, you mentioned that you like three-on-three, but not Red Wings three-on-three. Care to elaborate? Hmm. Um, Yeah, the answer for that, it is is nerve-wracking as hell. Um, There's just so much on the line. Like, it is fun to watch, but watching the Red Wings get scored on in basically a a super fun gimmick and losing games like that, it just sucks. So, fortunately, they win more three-on-three games than they lose, so uh, I, I don't mind it as much. I think that you... I think that all fan bases maybe feel that way. <laughs> um, three on three, as I had described on Twitter, is just like when you lose, it's like, God, that sucks. But when you win, it's like exhilarating. Like you just drank a Red Bull, five hour energy, you snorted a line and you just drove your car off a bridge while it was on fire. Um, 
Not that we are condoning drug usage, but um, eh. Eh, well, you know, it is, <laughs> it is the NHL or whatever. No, they don't condone drug usage. Anyways, um, it, 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 like that goal by Nyquist was just I don't know that entire sequence because they were like when they when Nashville was going in on that three and one I was like ah, whatever and, you know they're gonna pass the puck like two times Mrazek isn't gonna have a chance it's over um, and then it just it's like it bounced back and it's just like I I saw I saw myself after the game saying that was the most exciting part of the game that was incredible but it's probably because we won if we lost that game I would have hated it I would have never wanted to see it again so it, it you, you just kind of have like they lose they win more than they lose in five on three so whatever yeah that's <laughs> it I mean it's go ahead Jeff I was just say I hate it when Zetterberg's on the ice because he makes yeah. him seem old and slow I like it just play like just rotate Larkin Tatar Nyquist I guess Datsuk because he's old and slow but at least he's He's got hands. And he doesn't I don't need know, to be fast. He really it, doesn't. He's so smart. He doesn't need the speed. Just put all the fast guys out there. I, I that, and that begs the question: When are we going to hear? Why wasn't Helm on the three on three? Because he, he, he has he no hands. Yeah, yeah, but you know why? God, you guys are you suck. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, three on three is if you win it, it's like oh, that's that's showcasing the beauty of hockey. That is exactly how pretty hockey can be. Mm-hmm. And if you lose, it's like fuck this horseshit gimmick. If we'd had two more players on the ice, they'd have never scored that bullshit goal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, was there in person? Can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, NMU is the Red Wings' current success a matter of them finally using Blashill's system and not reverting back to Babcock's? Yes. Sure. I do think that a big part of the the early troubles were that they weren't used to Blashell's system yet, and so they were still they were reverting back to playing a little bit more, um, a little bit more defensively. Yeah, I don't, don't want to say scared, but like they, conservative. They, yeah. Conservative is a perfect word. Thank you, Jeff. Good job. You're welcome. Like the D weren't jumping up when they were supposed to have been, and that was creating holes. And so I, I think that plays into it. I also think the Red Wings getting back Pavel Datsuk and Mike Green off of injury uh, plays a big role. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that they are starting to get more comfortable with the uh, the system. I do have many complaints about the power play still, um, regardless of you know whether they scored two in the last game or not. Uh, I still think that it is a bit incompetent and it does need a little bit of work. But yeah, they they, they seem to it, it really seems to be clicking right now. The way that the defensemen are coming up and um, being a little bit more active, like I I had noted earlier with Brendan Smith, the way that he looked the last game. Um, it's how you want a defenseman to look. You don't want him to be just a defenseman. You want him to be you know a threat offensively as well. So um, I do like it. Uh, it is paying off and. I think that the Red Wings have regressed a little bit in terms of goaltending, but it doesn't matter because they haven't they ha- they have progressed with their scoring, and that's that's what matters. So, if I may, well, I, I want to throw out another little. Um, no, thing. you have I know to stay I was, there and be silent. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm we've, kidding. Um, well, we've talked so much about um, the systematic changes, um, you know, in, in how the team actually plays the game and stuff. But I also want to throw out um, the change in coaching personality um i think is actually has actually been bigger than um a lot of people have realized um i think i saw i think this was just the other day that i saw that um babcock does not talk to the team 
after games, whether it's a win or whether it's a loss. And Blashill, I think, um, has always tried to, you know, address his players. And, you know, um, he doesn't let them just kind of, like, wallow in a loss. Like, he he makes sure that he's communicating more, um, things like that. And I think we talked about how we think that the players are just kind of having um, – you know, they're, they look like they're having more fun and they look like they're, um, like, I mean, we see the stuff from Franz and on Instagram and, you know, all this kind of stuff. They just, (laughs) it's great. We love it. Um, but it just seems like they're, you know, just even off the ice there. Um, they they just have like different, yeah. Yeah. Wow. They have lives. Instead of robots. (laughs) Um, you know, and it just, I mean, in all aspects, it seems like they're just enjoying themselves more and they've been able to show it more. And I don't know, I think that's really nice to see, but I, I really think that that's, um, part of it that we haven't talked about as much. So, yeah, they do seem to be having fun and I, and like, and I do like that. Also real quick, yes or no. Uh, do you think we will see Yurko, Luke Lindening and AA as a line while Polkin and Miller are out? I mean, if he gets Maybe, called yeah. up, I, yes. I don't deny it. That's your fourth line. If he gets called up, yeah, probably I put a in center. Glenn Denning, Glenn Denning moves to the wing. Yeah. Like, I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would too. Both those other three lines are doing fine. Then it's just kind of plugging the other players I into mean, the. You're, into that's it. as close as we're probably ever going to get to having the best twelve players and twelve skilled players on the ice at once. So I would be very happy if that's our fourth line. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stevosaurus Rex asked on Twitter, "What is the best or most memorable Red Wings related Christmas slash holiday gift each of you received?" Oh boy, uh, mine would definitely be uh the luke lindenning jersey from uh my buddy mike it was just like one of those things i you know he sent it to me from pittsburgh i opened it up and i i saw that it was a red wings jersey i'm like oh cool it's gonna be like this guy or that guy and it was a glendenning jersey and i just like laughed for like 10 minutes straight because it was just so funny um and believe it or not the red wings are undefeated when i see them in in person with that jersey on so I am going to see them on Thursday, and I'm going to see them on Monday. So yeah. better wear it to the stadium series. Uh, yeah, I probably will. Honestly, I mean, just because it's funny, I, I definitely will. And we'll st- that'll probably be the first game they lose because of it, because all of you assholes are there. <laughs> no, Jillian's not going. Don't say that. Be nice to your wife. No, she's not going though. So we're good. <laughs> I, I know, but be nice to her, would you? She would back up my statement. Not only went and saw. Uh, it, uh, it was. She didn't they play, it was their worst game of the year. Um, I can't. When I, from being younger, I remember getting, and this is silly, but Stevie Stars and Fedorov Crunch cereal, and my parents got it for me and wrapped it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got. <laughs> so I still and oh. and I will confirm there is a box in my basement back home in Michigan that still contains both unopened boxes of those cereals, plus like a Kirk Malt B and Osgood candy bar, plus wing shield wiper fluid. Uh, I have lots nice. of that stuff. Not all of that was Christmas presents, but the cereal I remember was. But I'm gonna go with my Tomas Tatar Stadium Series jersey, which Santa's gonna deliver in about two weeks. Nice. Um, Perfect. You should eat that cereal. I, possible. Two, two Christmases ago, I got a Nyquist jersey from my parents, and that was my first ever jersey of the Red Wings. So that was that was pretty cool. And that was like right in his um, his breakout season, too. So that was when he dragged us kicking and screaming into the playoffs through all of those crazy injuries. So that was great. Has anybody thought about buying uh, an Applicator jersey? Uh, no. I thought about it because I like Applicator. 
No, I'd, I'd get a shirt, maybe, but... I don't know. I think I might buy the jersey. Cause... He should buy all of us jerseys. Yeah. He has the money. He will next year. All right, next um, and, uh No, I get to answer. No, no. No, you don't. No, An- Anna's going to be pissed if I don't answer this, because she's been <laughs> waiting for me to say this. Uh, <laughs> I know which one it is. In 2009, she uh, she bought uh, me a, a ticket to the, to the Winter Classic against the... Uh, against the, the Blackhawks and it was yeah. such a it was such a surprise like I wasn't expecting you to go to, go to that game so it was just like uh, oh hey in a week we're going on a trip to Chicago to go see the Red Wings live in Wrigley and they won that game and it was awesome uh, and Brett Lebda scored a goal in front of <laughs> Chicago fans and <laughs> Brett Lebda I, I didn't have to sit at home and listen to Pierre fucking Rock talk about <laughs> talk about uh, Pavel Dotsuk's wind-aided goal I got to see it live in person uh, I got to personally tell Gary Bettman my opinion of him and he looked up and glared at me, which was uh, very special. So, awesome gift. Awesome sister. Thanks, man. I know you're listening, so good job. Anyone who likes profanity and Red Wings, like, Google Brett Lebda fucking raw. And just watch that video. This <laughs> fantastic. He was a force of nature. Oh, boy. Uh, from a, a happy topic to a, a pretty uncomfortable one, a Katie Annie 6. Um... Patrick Kane and Hull's record. Uh, do you guys think that the Blackhawks have a history of overlooking incidents from their star players that other teams in the NHL don't have? Uh, yeah, they certainly do. They've got a, a Bobby Hull statue. Um, sure, we had Probert, who had drugs and womanizing problems, but as far as I know, nothing violent off the ice. Do you think they will see the error of their ways and at least take down the Hull statue? Uh, no. It's kind of a lot to unpack there. I don't think they're going to take down the whole statue. No. They, they're uh, not going to take no. down the statue. Um, I think that if you put a player like an, like Patrick Kane on any team in the NHL right now, and it's the same, it's the same thing. And yeah, it's, I it's, fully believe that. Like, I mean, I, I, okay, and I might get dinged for this, but the dude is so gifted like he really is he's one of the best players in the nhl obviously but um outside of of the of the rink and outside of his job he is a scoundrel and he is a a cancer in not only in the hockey world but um in in the real world um and it just doesn't matter i mean think about it he's getting all of this glory he's getting paid over 10 million dollars a, a, a year um I just don't think that any other team would treat this any differently than the Blackhawks are. And not just to say that the Blackhawks are a great organization because I fucking hate the Blackhawks, but, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, w- yeah, I would like to think, yeah. I would there's like an argument to be made that the Red Wings, you know, it's it's not part of their culture. Like, they wouldn't allow Patrick Kane to do that. But there's also a statement about Patrick Kane has an effect on his team's culture too and if they'd had pat if the red wings had had patrick kane how different would they be i don't know if they would have traded if they would have trained him up better so yeah it's just real hard to say like you know we're on the the moral high ground here of anything it's just i i I can't confidently say it yeah it's tough it's it's a really it's one of those questions you don't really want to answer but um yeah anybody else Lauren, what do you, well, you, you don't want to think about it applied to your team either. No, not at all. You know, you don't you don't want to say, oh, well, if it was such and such guy on the Red Wings, you just like it just makes you feel gross. Even you know, hypothesizing something like that, you're just yeah, Ugh. no, thank you. Yeah. Um, moving off of that, uh, Captain Chuckles, what do you think would be the most appropriate penalty for spearing another player in the groin? Five thousand dollar fine, <laughs> game misconduct, and a at least one to two game suspension. Oh, Easily. Boo-hoo. Five thousand, fine. Call it a day. Nope. Best money I've ever spent. Whatever. <laughs> Loved that Kyle. quote. Loved that quote. Okay, so even if that happens to one of the players yeah, on your team, it did happen to the Red Wings. Yeah, I know. And were you mad? Yeah. 
Okay, and did you want Lucic suspended for it? Eh. Yes or no? It's no. not a eh. No, no you didn't. didn't. You didn't. All right, at the time, yeah, but the precedent has okay. been set. Okay, that's all that matters. That's fine. all that matters. The precedent has been set. Yeah, because I'm a blinded homer, so of course I want him suspended. <laughs> yeah, and I exactly. live in Boston, and Lucic is Lucic. So exactly. of course he did. And but the president was set that's a five thousand dollar fine. Press did it. He got suspended for five thousand dollars. He made a comment. It was hilarious. And guess what? A hockey player wasn't a robot and had some personality. So you know what? I'm all for it. And you're wrong. Nah. Yeah, but he was a robot because Brandon Press is a shitbag. So it's like a shit it's, it is totally robotic to me. And the thing is that he went to the league that that permits him to be paid however much he does for for essentially being a a plug. I mean, he went in front of them, put on some fucking clown mask and just danced around them and said, ha ha, look at me. I'm making jokes about you. I mean, I don't know if that happened. Yeah, it, on the Reddit, and when you know, after it happened, happened, they asked Marshan about it and he's like, yeah, ha, ha, and starts laughing. He goes, he tapped me in my fun spot. Yeah. Cause yeah, Marshan said, don't shit, care. Cares. What Marshan Mar- said is actually shit. worse than what Pruss said. Cause Marshan said, he's probably going to do it again. I'm probably going to do it again. At least Marsh, at least Pruss didn't say, yeah, I'm definitely going to, I'm like, definitely going to. Are we having a dick. different conversation if Pruss did this to, to Crosby? Not Crosby. It's universally liked player not on the Red Wings. I will say. I just say it was Bergeron. No, yes. not even a, like, no, like, just. He's universally liked. He, he is. did it by, like, to Kopitar? Sure. Like, so if he did it to Kopitar, yes. Maybe it's a different story, we're, conversation we're having. Completely but, different. I, I laughed at his comment. People at work who are Bruins fans laughed at his comment, and they're like, oh, okay, that's pretty funny. I didn't like, really laugh care. at it. Just, it, it. It's not because of what happened, and I'm sorry if I'm dragging this out, but it's not because of what happened or the severity of the injury. If there was one, there wasn't, obviously, but... You can't have children. It's not that. It's 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 a... He, yeah, Marshawn should not have children. Um, he already have one. But I think I yeah, he already has a... I think he already has a little boy. Um, they should take that one away from him. <laughs> all right, anyways... Um, what it shows, and I'm not upset about press comment more than I'm upset about how much of a joke the department player of safety is. But it's always been a joke. I know. Yeah, but, but it should like, stop I being a joke. To, I, it, it, does, it needs to stop. I mean, you have all of these instances of concussion lawsuits, and this wasn't a concussion. But, I mean, it's it's creating a culture. It's like, okay, if you're going to be suspended or fined for something, and you go out and you say, yeah, I mean, it was totally worth it. That shows that players aren't learning. Players aren't learning from what they are punished for. It, it's creating a bad culture for if, our. If, if, for, no, if no, 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 player, no. For Fortnite League that is so highly heralded by everybody and all the fans. Please like my sport. We're better than everybody else. Except all of our. Except we just please. We we keep employing all of these dickheads who just. It's totally worth it. I don't care if I hurt him or if it's unethical. I don't give a shit. It's just like, it's a joke. It's like, like suspend press for four games. Let him sit on the side. Let him watch the if, game and feel like an if idiot. If press says more that he already is. after a headshot, that's one thing. He gave the guy a love tap to the balls. Uh, it, that's not a big fucking deal. So, hey, Jeff, if I come up yes. to you next time I see you and give you a love tap to the balls and you go down over it, is that okay? <laughs> I'll probably do back to you later. Oh, okay, so. all right, yeah. Going to a fun place. So, no, it isn't. It I'll see you in Denver, Kyle. It isn't okay. So, Where you're you- it's going to be some ball taps. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. I would if he gives a headshot to somebody, it would it should be a longer suspension. Basically, I think that yeah, if you do something that's like dirty and intent to injure like that, you should definitely sit a game. I don't care. Like I get it. It goes just a little love tap to the nuts. I don't. That's a dirty spear. Just yeah. sit him and give him a punishment that's actually going to like deter him and not. And I get it. He, well, he didn't give a robotic answer. Yeah, but he gave a fucking stupid answer. And what's funny is that Prust had went on the players' tribune and did that whole piece where he's like we keep the game safe and we're doing this and we we keep integrity in the game and then he goes out and does that and it's like dude cool you're a fucking clown so whatever hey clowns are funny so it's press comments <laughs> those are not clowns are terrifying and i hate clowns oh i love you oh, now we're, don't forget that now we're taking off because i do think clowns are funny especially because they terrify people <laughs> moving on McTangles right. um, asks is our defense good enough to take us past the first round of the playoffs maybe even the second round uh considering playoff hockey is much different from regular season hockey lauren i'm gonna hand this to you first um well i think i think one of the biggest things is um the whole you got to be able to outscore your mistakes i think the author the the defense being more active maybe contributes to that the defensive side i mean we saw it last year against tampa we we shut them out twice almost did it three times i think um you know it's i don't know if we can do that again against a team like i don't know montreal or something but i think the way that the defense has has changed systematically i think you know that that makes a a difference in how we could see it used in the playoffs and what we've seen before if that makes sense yeah right on definitely um i think that it's a boo that i take somebody's thunder there don't care um i think that it's a bit too early to tell um because and i said that at one point um uh, DeKaiser has essentially turned into the punching bag on the defense, like on the blue line. Uh, he plays with Erickson. It's rough. Um, you know, he's he's kind of taking the hit for it, but it's working because you have guys like Cronwall and Green who are thriving where they're at right now. So um, do I want, like when it comes to, and this is really branching off of this, this question big time if it, do do i think that they should be buyers at the deadline to bolster the defense um i think it only should happen if they are like buying a big time name who will be signed for at least a couple of years like a uh, ekman larson um or uh bufflin or somebody and it only costs you players that aren't on the team right now so as of right now, yes, but I don't know how it will be down the line. So yeah, Mrazek's got to play well though. Howard too. Well, we're talking yeah. playoffs. Mrazek's yeah. your goalie. Yeah, you're right. So, but I don't care about Howard. The defense is good enough for us to win a round or two in the playoffs. Uh, they're probably not good enough to carry us through those. The offense has to do the work. Yep. Uh, App State, you have been elected supreme leader of the country and tasked with appointing the new leadership from president through his cabinet. You are only allowed to pick Red Wings players and prospects. Go. Uh, there's a shitload of cabinet positions, so we're going to uh, limit this. Uh, who's the president? Kyle. Larkin. Larkin. Larkin's president. Not old enough. I don't care. How old does he have to be? Cleary? 35. 35? Uh, well, all right. <laughs> and American-born, so like literally nobody. Uh, yeah, so. Drew Miller? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the closest <laughs> one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> He's already got the gray hair. <laughs> no, but I mean, if we take your spring leader, you don't have to have to do the age thing. It's fine. I'm no self president. I think it's Larkin, the future, the, the future Steve Eiserman. Uh, Zetterberg is president right now. He's still the captain. Okay. Secretary of State. Uh, Drew Miller. He went to Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate you. Kiss my ass, Jeff. <laughs> You're the worst. 
like, I just, oh, God. Laura, yeah, who's I Secretary of Defense? I vote Abdelkader. Secretary of Defense, uh, Cronwall. Yeah, that's a good answer. Kyle, who's the, the Attorney General? The Attorney General? Um, ooh, I'm going to go ahead and say Nyquist. Good answer. All right. And uh, I'm going to put Erickson in charge of uh, Health and Human Services. <laughs> No good reason. Just he, he didn't get mentioned at all this episode, so I want to make sure that he gets mentioned. Uh, hey, there's the Yurko question. We're not going to answer that. I'm going to go ahead um, and say that Erickson. I'm going to cut everybody off and say Erickson has been okay. Okay. Been, just, that's all he needs to be. He doesn't need to be amazing. He's been okay. That's fine. Uh, let's see. Ben Bishop, I'm going to uh, paraphrase this pretty quickly. Uh, how much do we miss Lane and Ferraro? We don't. Zero. We've yeah. been winning since we got rid of him. I mean, it sucks that he's putting up points elsewhere. It's not a ton of points. And it's not yeah, right. it's just, just it's waving Kelly him. Croc. It's Howard Yarn Croc syndrome. Just waving him get magnified as losing a decent player that could fill in. Well, no, a decent guy who can fill in is a dime a dozen. That's literally replacement level. Yeah. It, 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 like, it, if, and that's the thing. We saw it when we traded Yarn Croc. He was red hot and it was like shit we shouldn't have traded that guy no it's more of a guy who is coming up into the nhl who didn't have much of a chance at that level because we all know that ferraro didn't have a chance where he was at um he is doing what he needs to do right now i haven't looked at his stats i'm sure his pdo is ridiculous so you know like everybody wants to fight against larkin i'm gonna go ahead and fight against ferraro i'm happy for him but he'll eventually regress yeah he'll regress he'll be used he'll be a useless player or he'll be another ryan o'reilly whatever i don't give a shit could be (laughs) Uh, bus number 13 wants to wants us to talk about uh, Jeff Blashill and the potential Jack Adams candidacy. <sighs> Come on. It's too early. Let's stop. Not right now. We've done this how many times? I, I, I will say this. I really want him to win so we can be like, fuck you, Mike Babcock. I don't. I don't. I do. I, I don't want. I do. I, I, and Have it's the same thing. Like, sport, I see. Man. No, it's fun. But I see. Well, I, I get it. But <laughs> you see players like Larkin who are in the race legitimately right now for the Art Ross Trophy and for the Calder Trophy. And it's just like, okay, if they win all of those awards right now, what does that mean for next year? The highest of highest expectations. Who cares about next year? Who cares I about, next, who cares about yeah, expectations next year? I want high expectations now, next year. Do things I want now. High expectations you, give, next year. you want him to have high expectations because it means he's damn good this year. I don't want to be like, I hope he's just okay so he doesn't so get his feelings for next year. For next year and those expectations aren't even close, what does that mean for you? It means he yeah, had a great rookie season. It means you got disappointed. Yeah, you disappointed in the player that you or coach that you were so super why are high. we living in a world where we're worried about future disappointment instead of enjoying the highest possible success you can have right now? Unless you're winning the Stanley... Okay, I will say this right now. If he wins the Jack Adams and wins the Stanley Cup trophy, I don't give a shit. But if he wins the Jack Adams and has like a second round exit or a first round exit, then yeah, I kind of give a shit. I don't care. There's one trophy Farthest that matters. we've won in how many years? There's No, listen. As a fan, there's one trophy that matters, and it's the big trophy that's lifted at the end of the year, and that's it. That's right. it. I, that's but all that matters. I don't care. We, just because we're not going to win the Stanley Cup means you don't want Larkin to put up 70 points and be worried about his expectation next year is stupid. So if Larkin put up 20 points this year and we won a Stanley Cup, or if Larkin put up 70 points this year and we didn't win the Stanley Cup, which one do you take? Of course you take the Stanley Cup, exactly. but it's... Exactly. So no, they're not connected. They're not connected. Jesus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's like saying, right. like... Ugh. 
If, <laughs> All right, I'm going to weigh in on the question itself. Um, freaking Christmas. It's just whatever. <laughs> if Jeff Blashill wins the Jack awesome. Adams, I want it to be a break of the Jack Adams being essentially the the PDO team we expected to suck, but like overcoming expectations cup. Because the Jack Adams has been the kiss of death for coaches, and I kind of don't want to give yeah, Jeff Blashill exactly. the kiss of death yet. But if he wins it, I'll just like, well, I hope that doesn't happen, and kind of deal with the concept that disappointment might come. So right, I I don't know. I just yeah, I'm. I, it's too early. Hey, I, I don't I don't want to succeed at my job this year because I'm worried if I reach a high level at work. <laughs> that next year I might not reach that level again, and I'm going to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> this is good radio. Yeah, but Jeff, nobody is a fan of you. Ah, uh, <laughs> my Okay, okay. I don't have a Jeff Hancock jersey. Following on because beer league arbitration has kind of a great follow up question to this, and I'm going to let Lauren answer it first <laughs> because <laughs> because you too. <laughs> Um, at the end of the season, how would you measure uh, Jeff Blashill being successful? What's it going to take for him to have a successful first campaign, Lauren? But not oh, too much success. Boy. Don't want to ruin next year. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, God. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you don't want to say cup or bust because that's like ridiculous expectations. But, um, jeez. Um, I think we make it out of the second round. We, I think we make it to the conference finals and we can say, like, you know, that's... I guess the question is, how do you rate it? Uh, playoff success. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to have a real hard time saying, like, oh, I'm okay with a first-round exit, even yeah. if it's second, even if it's game seven and, like, a series, oh, we could have won. I think we have to get to the second round for it to be successful, and that's mm-hmm. that's maybe a little tough considering uh, Babcock hasn't done that in a few years, but I think we've got a wild card that uh, that Babcock didn't have, so... I Dylan think, Larkin, baby. Uh, yeah, get a I convincing think, uh, win out of the first round. That'll that'll go a long way too. None of this, you know, seven games stuff. Like win it in five or six, and then we can be like, wow, okay, there's something different here. I'm a little bit different in that I think that um, with a first year coach in the NHL coming from the AHL uh, as a head coach, obviously, um, I think that if he matches what Babcock did last year, then that's pretty good for a first year coach. And that's just me. Um, Obviously, the year every year the the, the expectation is in, in this city at least is to win a Stanley Cup. Jeff, uh, can you re- say the question again? <laughs> well, uh, what's it going to take for you to call uh, Jeff Blashill's first season a success? They make the playoffs. Just make it. Like first round exit sign for you. It, it, it's not fine for me personally, but like as a whole of the season. But as far as just looking at Blashill as a coaching job, taking over a team and getting them back to the playoffs, if the yes, I hey, deal. Jeff, we agree. All right, you got to win in the first round. <laughs> All right. Um, by the way, that uh, that question about beer league arbitration, there's a lot more to that comment where he fo- kind of follows up. Uh, I think it's a good comment. So go into the mail that post and read that. I think has another question. Um, what food and drink concessions would you like to see at the new arena? He would like a rotating tap of Michigan beers, not just the big players like Bell's, but a venue to showcase some smaller local breweries. What do you think? What do you want to see at the new arena, food and beverage-wise? Well, as a person who loves good Michigan craft beer, I think that's a great idea. Um, in terms of food, uh, I do think like they have like Buffalo Wild Wings and stuff like that. Um, I do know that when I went to the game in Pittsburgh at console, they had like a lot of ridiculously nice food, like pulled pork sandwiches, like and sushi. Not that I would ever buy sushi from hockey stadium, but I think that is probably something they should look into for the for the fans. Not for me, but for the fans. Yeah, I don't really care. I never buy any of that anyway. Beer, lots of beer. Yeah, beer, Good margarita, beer. pizza, pretzels, shit like that. Get some Fago in there. 
Yeah, dude, that's a good call. Verners? Yeah. Do they have Verners now? I don't think so. They People should. here don't know what Verners is. They definitely or should. Or Fago. Next yeah, question. Yeah, so craft beers, Verners, Fago. Um, calamari? If, uh, if Yes, calamari. Oh, shit. There's a fucking sandwich question. If I eat my pizza slices fold in half, does this make it an open-faced pepperoni and cheese sandwich? Yes. Uh, by definition, yes. If you have to speak categorically, yes, it's an open-faced yes, yes. pepperoni and cheese sandwich, and you're a fart sniffer for def- for making it have to be a categorical discussion. Semantically, uh, no, don't ever call it that. Yes. Uh, who are your favorite non-Red Wings players in the game today? Ooh. Who wants to go first? I do like Bergeron. Oh, typical, typical, nice. typical Boston. Riley Smith. Typical Boston. <laughs> He's in Florida. <laughs> yeah, but he played in Boston. Uh, I mean, Ovechkin's fun to watch. I like Sagan. <laughs> yeah, Sagan's I have a, So, like, for me, I have a lot because I just generally love the game of hockey and I love players who do it really well. But if I had to choose any, um, Ovechkin is probably number one. And then a close number two as of right now is Vladimir Tarasenko because he honestly reminds me of Fedorov. He just plays for an awful, awful shitty team, and they should trade him to the Red Wings for a third and Kindle. Right on. Lauren, do you have any non-Red Wings players you love? Well, I always try to keep track of, um, like, the former Red Wings and things like that. Um, But as far as ones that maybe never played for us, uh, Ovechkin's amazing. Yeah. was amazing. Um, Let's see... Eric Carlson's always fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, God, he's so good. He And you know what's funny is what what would Ottawa look like without Carlson? Garbage. It would be a ty- it would be Edmonton level. PK Subban? Yeah, Subban. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Subban's incredible. Yep, absolutely. Yager just cuz he defies age at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully Datsuk never turns into that. Not, and, not to be that guy, but um you would kind of have to say Crosby and Malkin are fun to watch. I think Malkin's better than Crosby. Well, he's flashier. He's like Malkin, from pure. He's incredible. Malkin in his angry fuck you mood is is something to behold. He only gets yeah. into it like a few times a season, but when he gets like really mad at the other team and he just starts deking around everybody and then glaring down the goalie after he scores on them, that yep. is fun to watch. Can I special? Can I say Yuri Hoodler? Yeah, I thought yeah, absolutely. Take that when she started talking about that, I would say Goudreau too. Goudreau is up there for me. I really like that kid. BC boy. He's he, BC boy, little American. That's who is what he is. And next year, my answer will be uh, Brendan Smith. My favorite <laughs> uh, when he scores 50 points with the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> uh, all-star events, wings only. Uh, you go fastest skater, hardest shot, accuracy shooting, and hot dog eating. Uh, who in the wings wins each of those events? Fastest skater first, go. Athanasiu. Does he count? Or does he got to be someone on the main Larkin. roster? Uh, he counts. We'll, we'll count Athanasiu. Athanasiu. Okay, Athens, you Larkin, hardest shot. Pulkin in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's got to be Pulkin in, yeah. Erickson's got a, got a cannon, too. Although he's hurt, though, so I don't know how hard he could shoot right now. Probably yeah. not very well. Separated shoulder, kind of hard. Separated or dislocated? It's dislocated. It's dislocated. Just separated. They popped it back into place, so yeah, it's dislocated. Dislocated is a dumb word for it. We know where the hell his shoulder is. Yeah. It's it's on his body. He's fucking losing. Uh, accuracy shooting. Who's the best sniper on the team? Nyquist. Definitely Cronwall. I think it's Nyquist. It's Nyquist. It's not close. I was being sarcastic. Uh, yeah, of course uh, you were. <laughs> and uh, who's the, the hot dog eating champ? Drew that's Miller. Gotta be, that's got to be Brendan Smith, right? Yeah, yeah Drew Miller with the broken jaw. Go answer, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's, it's, uh, it's actually Jimmy Howard. Oh, yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. 
I mm, I want to say De Kaiser. He's a stick, but I think he could pack away some serious amount of. Stuff I would hope here. that he does. I would love for him to eat about three hundred hot dogs because of how skinny he is. <laughs> hey, he's got that Encino man shit. Uh, can we retire? No, I'm not answering that. Um, WJR in his succinctness, as always. Um, hold on, I gotta find a. <laughs> I have to find a question in here. Um, as we answer that, we answer that. No, never mind. We answered all these. Okay. It's great. We are way heavy on time then. Good radio. Hey, cut that part out. Um, all right, moving on to the week ahead. We're going to do this very, very, very quickly. Uh, Tuesday at Washington. Thursday, home versus Montreal. Friday at New Jersey. JJ, how do they do? Um, I'm going to pull five points out of my ass on this one. Kyle? I'm going to say that they win against Montreal, lose the rest. <clears throat> Lauren? Um, I, yeah, I think we beat Montreal. I think we get forced into playing a low event game in New Jersey, but I think we still pull out the win and I, I think we lose against Washington. Not sure if I think overtime or regulation, but I think we lose tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to say one win, two losses. I don't want to set expectations too high and then get disappointed (laughs) next week. So we're definitely looking at that. Uh, do you guys have any? That's so aggressive, like my mother. Quickly, <laughs> quick final hockey-related thoughts, JJ. Uh, if we do lose, we are probably due for one of those like yeah. fan panic-inducing losses. Yeah, like so, a six to one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna amend my five points down to four. Um, I think that I said that they will beat Montreal and lose the rest, but I never said that they won't get points out of those games. So I'll leave it at that. Lauren? Um, final thought. I re-fell in love with the Wings this weekend. Just the game was great. And yeah, that's that's how I feel about them right now. They're wonderful, and I love them. An additional final thought, Dylan Larkin is the best rookie, if not one of the best players in the league right now. So y'all can just go ahead and suck on that. All right. So for JJ and Lauren and Kyle, I'm Jeff. Right. This has been Winging at Motown Radio. Go green, everybody. And blue. No, you guys citrus, didn't make the citrus, playoffs. Citrus no, Bowl. Didn't make the playoffs. Losers. It's true. We are losers. But hey, Dylan Larkin is blue. So Drew Miller's okay. blue. Those team isn't better. I hate all of you so much. <laughs> winging it. Not even my friend. I'm winging it, Motown. Good night. Bye. Night. Bye. I love you. Bye. Night. Bye. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you.